0: All right, we're starting a new series today, uh, and I'm talking uh, about building two kinds of towers, two towers, and the idea is that everybody is building something, and uh, your, uh, your tower is either going to stand or it's going to fall. So the question is, will what you are building, will it stand, will it last, will it survive, or will it collapse, will it fall? So I want to read two passages of Scripture to you. You might not be surprised at where these are, but one of them is in Matthew chapter 7, the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Jesus has kind of laid out the manifesto of the kingdom in in chapters 5, 6, and 7, and then he says in the closing of that, Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine built his house on the sand and the rain descended the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall so this is a story we used to sing it when we were in uh elementary school you know the wise man built his house upon the rock you remember that remember y'all ever sing that no okay well okay well some of us (laughs) you did okay well good (coughs) could you sing No, i won't ask you to sing it for us now but it's uh uh even as a little child you know we would listen about the wise man who built his house on the rock and when the floods came and the house on the rock stood firm we'd say and then the one on the sand went boom and we'd all see the house collapse in our minds so uh that's what jesus is saying that there that everybody is building something and uh but the real question is not uh, what we're building or how we're building, but will, will it stand? Will it last? And so I want to look at two verses over in Second Peter chapter one, verse eight and verse 10. And this is actually going to be, Second uh, Peter is going to actually be kind of our, our uh, text for the next few weeks. Second Peter chapter one. Verse eight says this: If these qualities or if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then listen to verse ten. You see, kind of take the same. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make sure your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never, that says stumble, but actually the word is collapse, you will never fall, you will never fall. And so that's amazing, that's something that here's a promise that God says there are some things that if these things are in your life, and if they're plentiful in your life, you will never be barren, that is, your life will not be empty and meaningless, and you will not be unfruitful, that is, you will be uh, fruitful, and you will never fall. You will never utterly collapse. So we're going to be looking at those things in the next few weeks. What are the things that make our life guaranteed to be meaningful, fruitful, successful, spiritually successful, and cause us to never collapse and never fall. So uh, we'll be looking at those over the next few weeks. But today I want us to think about this uh, idea of uh, the fact that all of us are building something. We're all building, every one of us are building a life, our own life. And sometimes we see people whose life, Collapses. That's sad to think about. When I read about people who I have just done well, uh, I, I won't use any particular illustration, but just you, you think about somebody who has just shamed themselves and they have just made a big fool of themselves and they've collapsed and they've been arrested and they're going to prison and going to spend the rest of their life in prison for some uh, ridiculous thing. When I read about that one of the thoughts against my mind is there was a time when that man was a little baby and his mother probably was so excited when he was born, possibly so, and maybe rocked him and sang to him and had dreams and hopes and visions for him and as he grew, he began to get some instruction and teaching and things like that, but he came to a place where, where he began to make really, really bad choices, <laughs> and as a result, now his life is ruined. He has collapsed. So everybody here is building a life. Uh, m- many of you are building a marriage. Now, that not all of you have been married 50 years, like me and my wife and Joyce and Richard uh, and a few others, but, uh, but... No matter how long you've been married, you are building a marriage. Will that marriage stand, or will it collapse? And then you're building a family. Many of you are building a family. Not just a marriage, but a family. And uh, Paul and Elizabeth here, got these three precious girls. And they're building a family, building into these kids. And then, and then we're building a church. I'm not talking about a church building because buildings can come and go and do come and go, but we're building a, a church fellowship, a called-out group of people who love one another and follow Christ. And so we're all building something. So that's the first point that I would say is all of us are builders. Everybody is building. And I would say, secondly, that everybody, I think, probably thinks their building is safe at some point. As they start building their life, they think, yeah, I've got this all together. I'm putting it all together. Every young marriage, I do a lot of premarital counseling. In fact, I'm a, a certified premarital counselor with the state of Texas. And so my name is on a list. And people all over this area, when they want to get married, they find my name because if they come to me and get premarital counseling, they get $60 discount on their marriage license. So that's enough to make them come and seek me out, you know. So I get calls every week from some couple in the, in the DeSoto or Glen Heights, Waxahachie area, they call and say, uh, we're, uh, we're getting married, and we need premarital counseling. And I say, well, why did you call me? Well, we understand we get a $60 discount if we come to you for premarriage counseling. I said, well, that's great. So that suits me fine because it gives me an opportunity to get to meet with lots of couples and go over some things about how to build a happy and successful marriage. But here's something that I've noticed. Every one of them, when I ask the question, do you believe that your marriage is going to be a happy marriage and that it's going to last? Never have I had anybody say, well, no, I doubt it. In fact, I think our marriage will probably do just a train wreck, and it'll probably last maybe two or three years, and then it'll all be over. Well, in the first place, if they did say that, I'd say, well, thank you for coming in. Goodbye now. But none of them say that. In fact, every one of them, they look kind of goo-goo-eyed at one another, you know, and they say, oh, we just, we think we're going to have the happiest marriage ever. And I think, well, (coughs) good luck with that. So then I kind of take them to some reality, you know, and I say, get your head out of the clouds, take your rose-colored glasses off, and let's talk about real, real life. We talk about the areas where couples have conflict and things like that, and and I enjoy so much going over these sessions with these uh, couples. But I say to all of them, you are building a marriage. And that marriage... Will not be safe and happy and productive and successful and fruitful just because you want it to be. And it will not be that way just because you hope it'll be. It will only be that way if you incorporate certain principles. And if you do that, then you can have a happy, successful, and lasting marriage. And so every builder, every build, everything we're building, we think it's going to be good. But these two men who were building their house, the one that built his house on the rock and the one who built his house on the sand, both of them stood back and looked at that house when it was finished and said, Okay. And the problem is that one of them stood and the other collapsed. And the third thing is that every builder justifies the way they built their building. They, they can always say, well, you know, I know I cut a few corners, but I saved some money. One of my favorite stories when I was growing up was the three little pigs. All of you know that story, don't you? You know the three little pigs? And the first little pig made his house out of what? what wow. straw or hay yes yeah, st- or with straw and he did that because straw was easy to get and it was cheap but the second little pig he was a little bit smarter he made his house out of sticks that's right because they were also plentiful and easy to gather. but the third little pig was the wise little pig and he made his house out of yes. bricks that's right okay And I won't tell you the rest of the story. I know that all of you are in suspense as to what happened. But there was a big bad wolf who came along huffing and puffing. But the thing about it is the one that built his house with something solid and firm is the one whose house stood against the uh, attack of the enemy. And that's the purpose of this story. So every builder justifies what they're building. I am amazed at the couples who are married, <coughs> who are tearing their marriage apart, but they justify what they're doing because they are blaming somebody else or they are are justifying their sinful even or, 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 or selfish behavior in one way or another. And it's like getting their way is more important than building a marriage that will last or building a life that will last. So everybody can justify it. And then the fourth thing is that every building will be tested. That's just the fact. When I read this story there in the Gospel, uh, in in Matthew chapter 7, it talks about the house built on the rock, the house built on the sand, and it said the very same thing happened to both houses. I mean, uh, the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And so it wasn't that one house got exposed to a lot of testing and the other house didn't. No, both houses were tested in the same way. And I'm just telling you, we would love to live a life that had no pressure, no problems, no difficulties at all, but that doesn't happen. We would all love to have a marriage in which everything just goes our way and we just stay happy, happy, happy all the time. But that's not going to happen either. And we all would love to have everything Just be peaceful and quiet and productive and successful all the time. But the truth is, into every life and into every marriage and into every family and into every church, there comes some rain that tests the roof. And there comes some flood that tests the foundation. And there comes some wind that tests the walls. And uh, so it's not a a matter of of if we'll be tested, when and to what degree we'll be tested. Everybody is tested. When our first daughter was born, I said to my wife, you know, I just wish I could put her in a bubble, and she would never experience any pain of any kind. And I think my wife said, that wouldn't be good. Somebody said it. Did you say it to me? That's been too long ago, wasn't it? I, can't, I just barely can remember what I said. I, but, but somebody said to me, it might have been one of the men in our church, said, oh, that would not be good. said, because it is through our bumps and bruises and pain and struggles, that's the way we become strong. That's the way, in fact, we would never know, even if our faith was real, if it were never tested. We would never know if our love was real, if it were never tested. And that's the reason when Paul gives the description of love in 1 Corinthians 13, he doesn't, he doesn't put it in an ideal situation. He says love is patient. You would never have to have patience unless there was occasion for impatience. Love is forgiving. Well, you would never know forgiveness, uh, you would never be able to give forgiveness unless something was done to you for you to forgive. So every house, everything we're building is tested. Tested by rain, wind, and flood. But here's the sixth point. That, the fifth point was rain, wind, and flood, by the way, in case you're trying to take notes there. The sixth point is that the foundation is the most important. It's really the most important. Um, when I meet with these couples and I go through thing, I, one of the things I do with them in one of the sessions, I give them the A, B, C, D, E, F, G of a successful and strong marriage. And the... Uh, The B is that your belief system must be the same. That is, you must both believe in Jesus and be anchored in him as the rock of your life. Otherwise, your marriage will ultimately collapse. So the foundation is most important. I want to... I want to do something. I want to have a contest today. Paulino, would you help me this morning? And Alexbeth. will you help me this morning? I, wa- I want y'all both to come up here. I want you to do something now. Paulino is a master builder. He is an amazing carpenter and builder. He can just, it's amazing things he can do. Now, Alexabeth, you've never built a house, have you? No, okay. But I want to have a contest between father and daughter here today. I'm going to ask Elizabeth to see if she can stack blocks up this high. In fact, get those other three right there, and I, I want you to I want you to build a tower here, stacking those blocks. Okay, now be real careful so they don't fall. And at the same time, I want Paul. <coughs> I have here a pan full of cotton balls. (laughs) Okay. I want Paul to see if he can stack these blocks, see how high you can stack them on this uh, pan of cotton balls. Okay? All right. Get ready. Go. Let's see who can... they got to be on top of one another got to be stacked all on top of one another yeah there you go like that Uh yeah stack them up on, straight up on top of one another there, like that uh-huh <laughs> ah. Yeah, just straight up. Uh See how high you can get them here. That's pretty good, pretty good. You did better already than I did. Okay, I have to say. Pretty good, pretty good. All right, well, let's give them a good hand. (coughs) All right, well, I think, though, that if I were to bump this at all, (laughs) they would all fall. But if I were to bump this one, they're going to stay solid. I think she won. Thank you. Now, the point, obviously, is that it's a lot easier to build and make something stand if you've got a solid concrete block than if you've got a pan full of cotton balls, okay? Now, I'm telling you, there are a lot of people today who are building their life on nothing more substantial than a pan full of cotton balls. And there are others, hopefully all of us, are building our life, our marriage, our family, and our church on the rock that cannot be shaken. Now, what is that rock? You might say, well, it's Jesus. In this sense, that's true. But Jesus said, whoever hears my words and puts them into practice is the one who's building on a rock. And the one who hears my words and doesn't put them into practice is building on the pan full of cotton balls or sand. And so I would say that the rock is confident faith in what God has said And believing it in such a way that it actually changes our life. It makes a difference in the way we behave. In fact, it was James who said that faith without accompanying works is not even really faith, it's just talk. He said a man can say, I have faith, and not really have faith. Faith is. Reading what God says in His Word, and we say, That's the truth. I believe that. And then there'll be things around us that'll make us look like that may not be true. But faith says, I don't make my decisions based on what I can see, I make my decisions based on what god has said so what is faith faith is not hoping things will turn out okay faith is not even saying things are going to be true there back a few years ago there was a a big move in this whole uh prosperity gospel thing about name it and claim it you know whatever you want to happen you just declare it and believe it and it'll happen well That's not true, because you can declare something, and if God hasn't named it, you don't have any right to claim it. I mean, you're just being like Dale Carnegie or somebody like that. If you believe you can name it, no, faith is seeing what God says and believing it so firmly that it actually changes your life. It shows up in behavior. It shows up in actions that other people see. And so that's the foundation. And you ask yourself, do I believe what God says? For instance, what God says about me. God says that I am a sinner who needs to be forgiven and needs a new heart. I believed that when I was 17 years old. But that's not all that God says. God goes on to say that God loved me so much that He actually took my sin upon Himself on the cross and died for my sins. That He took the death that I deserved and now He offers me complete forgiveness And even more than forgiveness, life, eternal life. When I believed that, I received that. And my life was radically changed. And uh, there was an immediate difference. People saw a difference in my life. I hate to admit it, but when I was 16, 15, 16 years old, I had a very, very filthy mouth. I just cursed. I tried to make up curse words. I was just, I, I I liked talking ugly. And the people who knew me, my cousins and the people who knew me, they would even sometimes say, "Wow, you've got a filthy mouth. And it was kind of a badge of honor to me. Yeah, yeah, I sure do. But I want to tell you what. The instant that God saved me, that very instant, God not only cleaned my heart, he cleaned my mouth. And I did not curse anymore. And the people who knew me, they said, What's happened to you? What? You're different. And I was able to say, Jesus has changed my life. He's changed my life. And I want you to know that if a person says... Well, I'm a Christian, but my life is just like it was before I became a Christian. You haven't become a Christian. Because the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. And all things have become new. So, have you put your faith In what God has said and does say and is saying about you. Do you believe that you as a sinner are loved by a perfect holy God and forgiven and cleansed and changed by the grace demonstrated on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? That is the foundation, and everything starts there. Now, you can have a solid foundation and not add to it the things that God says will keep you from falling, but you cannot build without that foundation and hope that your house will stand. So over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at those things that the Bible says, add to your faith. (laughs) Add to your faith. So there are things that we're justified by faith alone. But our house stands largely determined on faith as the foundation and then the things that we add to our house. All right, well, I want us to pray, and as we pray, let's just bow our heads together, and as we pray, ask yourself this question. Have I genuinely put my trust in Jesus Christ? Have I believed what God says about me, and have I received God's forgiveness and God's grace? If the answer is yes, then you have the foundation. But if the answer is no, then I would ask you today to trust in him. Trust in him and let him change your life. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word, which is able to uh, reveal to us the truth of your promises, your promises, Purpose, your person, your work, what you've done for us, so that we can have faith. If we did not know what you've said, we could never believe it. But you have declared it, you've written it down for us in a book, so that we can read it and believe it and have the solid foundation of faith. And I pray that you will help each of us to do that in Jesus' name, amen.